Praise the Lord. It's a little bit unorthodox, I guess, the way to, uh, to speak as I'm evidently too uh, fat and heavy for this stool as it continues to slide down. So uh, if you see me getting shorter throughout, uh, don't be alarmed. Um, but uh, happy to be here. I didn't get to be here last Wednesday uh, in person. Um, but uh, it is, you know, as a, as a child, I think you, you're, there, there's a period of time where you're excited to go to church and because you want to play with the kids and be in Sunday school and do the craft or be a part of the competition and then you get kind of, uh, you grow up a bit and you're like, well, you know, I, I got to go to church, I got to do those things, you know, uh, and you can become complacent. Uh, and I don't know if I'm just aging faster than I, I thought, but more and more, uh, and maybe it's COVID, you know, it took a decade out of all of us, uh, that uh, anytime I have the opportunity to be uh, in the house of the Lord and be with his people, uh, I'm taking advantage of that. Uh, because uh, the Bible tells us that we need to do it uh, more and more as the day approaches, and uh, I know that that is, is true for me. Um, and while getting text messages or calls from people or doing that myself is, is a great way to stay connected, there's still nothing like just being with uh, the people of the Lord. And, um, you know, part of this rushing mighty water uh, going on behind in the baptistry. Uh, but uh, in uh, some of the lessons that we've been going over, there's the battlefield. I believe Brother Matthew talked about the battlefield of the mind uh, last week. Uh, and this week, uh, it's about the battlefield of the church. So... Uh, how many of you thought that the church was a battlefield? You know, uh, it, it is, uh, I think that there are, uh, we know that here spiritual warfare takes place and, and all of those things, uh, but there's also uh, a human element of uh, the battlefield that's there that we can uh, we can allow our flesh and our humanity to dominate that, or, uh, you know, if we approach it uh, in the right way, we can make sure uh, that we're just like they were on the day of Pentecost, in one place, in one accord, that we're preparing ourselves as a bride uh, for his coming, which is coming soon. Um, so we'll, we'll talk through uh, several different ways uh, to, to kind of engage ourselves in the battlefield of the church. And, um, you know, while we remember that the Lord, he's a comforter and he's the peace that passes all understanding, uh, he's also uh, a warrior and he's the captain of the host. He's ready to go to battle uh, for us and with us. Um, and if you're you're not positive of that. In Isaiah, it says, The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. Uh, he shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. 
He shall cry, yea, roar, he shall prevail against his enemies. Uh, if one, uh, it says, you know, look for two or three witnesses. We'll, we'll look in Exodus. And it says the Lord is a man of war, and the Lord is his name. So uh, he's a warrior. While he's a, a lamb, he's also a lion. And uh, it is... Uh, those kind of natures that we have to take on. We have to be willing to be the warrior at the right time, and we've got to uh, be willing to be uh, the lamb at the right time. Uh, but what we want to uh, kind of focus on uh, a, a bit is that I think we can all acknowledge that we've witnessed uh, maybe people we've looked up to, uh, maybe leaders in our lives, whether they're in uh, the church or somewhere outside of our church that we've looked up to um, may have uh, suffered some type of spiritual death or decline um, and, and they've either or they've departed um, or disobeyed the Lord uh, and have stumbled. Um, but, you know, I've witnessed those things uh, and you can it can cause you to stumble yourself or you can learn from it and use it as a stone uh, to step up on and make sure that you are uh, operating spiritually and making sure that that doesn't uh, create a, a seed or a root of bitterness in your life. And we'll, we'll talk about bitterness as well. So one of the things that we've got to guard against uh, is unforgiveness. And uh, it is, uh, it can be very difficult at times uh, to forgive somebody, especially, uh, I think, uh, in the church, you know, um, because uh, we can create uh, maybe unrealistic expectations of how we should conduct ourselves, and, and we forget at the end of the day, we're all human, right? And we all make mistakes. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And uh, it is uh, something uh, that is real. And um, uh, if you have not been uh, offended in the world, uh, then you're blessed. You're lucky. If you haven't been offended at church or by somebody at church, then I would say that you're probably blessed or lucky. Uh, it's, it's a miracle. Uh, so, and, and, you know, it's not, uh, that's not foreign. Uh, you know, the, the apostles got into to, uh, tussles. Um, there's uh, documented instances in the New Testament of how uh, Believers were behaving, and, and and so it is not something that's foreign or excluded from the body of Christ. Um, and so uh, let's look at Matthew uh, twenty four twelve. It says, "And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold." Uh, the Amplified kind of phrases it a little bit differently and says, "The love of the great body of people." will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. And th that, uh, that kind of phrasing really 
spoke to me, I guess, in this hour that we're living in, where there is lawlessness, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, uh, and there is iniquity, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, whether you're in the world, whether you're in the church, all those things are there. And as those things uh, are multiplied, and it seems like, you know, I, I try to stay off of the news because it's so encouraging. Um, and I just can't handle that much encouragement. Uh, it, it would just... I would just beam so brightly. Uh, if you think the Ben Stein voice is great now, I mean, just imagine if I was in tune with the news, how excited I'd be. It'd maybe be one of those infomercial guys. Uh, but uh, it is, uh, what, what happens uh, is that your love waxes cold. Um, and, you know, I think most of us would, if, if you were gonna associate maybe a feeling or a temperature or something like that with the term love, uh, you know, it's warm, it's, it's a hug, it's something that's comfortable, it's safe. Um, and and uh, so what's cold love? Uh, well, cold love is uh, a stronghold uh, that we uh, can set up and it's born out of bitterness. Uh, and it actually shuts down the flow uh, of healing and outreach uh, and eventually pushes somebody to isolation. Uh, Hebrews uh, 12, 15 says, uh, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So in this verse, it is important uh, that we understand that our actions, how we are conducting ourselves uh, in something as simple as uh, how we're displaying, um, you know, if you want to say it's that we're showing God's love or Christian love or brotherly love, uh, you know, if we're not tuned into the Spirit, if we're not connected, uh, it may in fact not be that type of love, but it may be a cold love that is starting to disassociate itself from feeling and compassion and sympathy uh, towards our brothers and sisters. Uh, and uh, there's no doubt uh, that in the course of time and your journey on earth that uh, someone has said something uh, that is... Uh, thoughtless, or cruel, or callous, and it wounds us. You know, I, I do not, um, I'm big enough to say that there are things that people can say or do that can hurt my feelings, that, that can uh, cut me deep, you know? Uh, I think all of us can agree that we're, no matter how big or macho uh, we may be or how seasoned we are uh, as um, soldiers in the Lord's army, that we still get wounds. We still get battle scars. Remember, we're in a war. We're in a battle. And so uh, 
especially when you talk about uh, those attacks may not be exclusive to the church body itself. Um, you know, given the state of the world at this moment, uh, I'm sure that many of you in here tonight, many of those that may be watching online, um, you know, have situations where you have uh, been offended or somebody has wounded you uh, outside of church, uh, but uh, if we don't address uh, the, the element that needs forgiven there and transmit love, that that can start to fester inside of us. And as we know, uh, unresolved um, resentment, uh, unfulfilled resentment, uh, leads to bitterness. And as we've, we've already read, just a root of bitterness springing up not only defiles you, but can defile others. And so we've got to guard, we've got to remember that as we're working, as we're living life, as we're going through church, uh, our actions, our willingness to, to love, to forgive others, to operate in a model of forgiveness uh, is imperative for other people to succeed and for other people to find the strength and, and the love that they need. Uh, and uh, a, a phrase that I read um, kind of as I was studying some of this stuff, uh, and, you know, you, you read the Lord's Prayer, and, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and we've kind of go through that, and we know that we've got to recognize, um, and, and we've got to forgive people for what they've done to us and, and their trespasses, but you've got to forgive the debt. When somebody offends you, there is a debt to be paid to you. And because they've wronged you. So there has to be a right. And believe it or not, there are people who don't know that they've wronged you. They may have done it unintentionally. There are people who may have done it intentionally. But when you fail to forgive that offense and that root of bitterness occupies a space, it occupies that space that is supposed to be filled with love. And so you're now not able to transmit that love or to its fullest extent. And here it's just a root of bitterness. But there's an action that it's springing up. So something starts small, it's going to grow unless you address it. Uh, how many of you have, I don't know what the technical term is, uh, I know my grandmother used to call them a pick a burr, but the little weeds that you touch them and it's needles in your hand, uh, but no matter how many times you pull them up in 36 seconds, another one pops out. Or as you're pulling them up, it's like this just goes on for four miles. You're in your neighbor's yard trying to pull up the root of this, this one weed. That's what this can do. You know, it starts as something, uh, and when we don't uh, address it and we don't forgive, uh, a lot of times, just like that type of weed, it may stay underground for a long time. And by the time it surfaces or has completely uh, hardened and chilled, uh, 
your love, it already has this immense root system and requires a significant amount of work to undo that, uh, to start unpacking that bitterness, to really work through forgiveness and reestablish uh, the love, uh, you know, that, that we've been shown. You know, when I think about all the things that I've done in my life and the Lord washes me and refreshes me and has forgiven all of my sins and when I think about, you know, if I was the only one that he did that for, he'd still do it. That's overwhelming. And it, it, is, uh, it is incumbent upon us, especially with our brothers and sisters in the church, to extend that same type of forgiveness, understanding, love. It, it doesn't mean that you create excuses or anything, but you've got to address it, and you've got to be willing to forgive them and, and move on so that you can start operating out of love. Uh, so you've got to guard uh, against unforgiveness. And uh, love without commitment is not love. You know, there's a reason that there are marriage vows. I can tell my wife all I want. I love you. And, you know, love is a emotion, feeling that we convey as humans. Uh, but what does it really mean? You know, what are we committing to? When I say I love you, what does that really mean? Well, we get up and we perform marriage vows and for richer or poorer, sickness and health, all of those things. Those are commitments that we're making to uh, put something tangible uh, to w what that love really means. And uh, so we have to be able to take actions uh, to keep our love strong, enduring, regardless of the obstacles that may come our way. Uh, and, and there are uh, stumbling blocks that will be in life, uh, but those, uh, and those can compromise your love and sprout this bitterness uh, or resentment and lead uh, to cold love. In Matthew uh, 18, 7, it says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man by whom the offense cometh. Uh, Amplified says that it's necessary for offenses to come. But I don't want them. But the Bible says they're necessary. Why is that? Because we've got to practice. You know, uh, we're supposed to be like Christ. And so... You think about all the things that he has to do for us. You know, he's got a stomach. Uh, you know, a lot of things, you know, when we bring him and lay him at his feet and say, you know, here are my sins, here are my shortcomings, my failures, here's where I need help, here's where I'm weak. Uh, you know, if you've uh, ever been a parent or had to deal, it is not... Uh, Today, it was not necessarily enjoyable to have a conversation with my children and, and discipline them. Uh, and e even, I think, one of the statements I made at that point or maybe later to Siobhan was, don't worry about being a parent right now. 
you know, I know that you think it's fun to correct <laughs> your, your younger sister and be in charge, but, you know, that there's a lot that comes along with that because, uh, I mean, at least for me, I guess, uh, you know, I take some accountability for their actions because I'm the one that's supposed to be training them. And so if they're not performing, then maybe it's a, a reflection of me. And so, uh, you know, when I think of how I have to operate, you know, in my uh, limited capacity uh, of love and knowledge and wisdom, and, and here we're dealing with a God who is perfect. He came to earth. He experienced the same things we went through, and yet still didn't sin, still didn't fall short. Uh, and... You know, here's somebody that, uh, you know, he could say, okay, you're filled with the Spirit now, right? So, I did it. Why can't you? But he's kind, and he's forgiving, and he's loving, and every time that we bring that and we're honest, uh, he cleanses us, and... and prepares us. And what, why that's important is so that that sets us up uh, so that we can, in turn, uh, operate the same way with uh, uh, our brothers and sisters in, in the body uh, of, uh, of Christ. Uh, and we have to be able to forgive them, uh, not only to keep us from stumbling, uh, but to keep us from hardening our heart and becoming indifferent or just saying, I'm going to let them, let, they can live and do their thing. You know, they serve God their way. Uh, I can serve my God my way over here, and we can just agree to disagree, and, you know, they're on a different wavelength than I'm on. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, while that may seem like a simple solution or one that is uh, the path of least conflict or resistance, uh, unfortunately what it does is it breeds additional strongholds. Uh, and that cold love starts to set in. Um, in uh, John 4.20, it says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? You know, this is, he doesn't say, this person is misguided or, you know, is maybe not doing his best, you know, gave, gave a nice try, uh, says he's a liar. I mean, that, that's pretty strong, uh, pretty strong language uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, what, what you, how you should conduct your, your, your actions and how you operate should be in tune with the Lord and with what uh, the Scripture says. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to uh, like what someone's done. I mean, if somebody does something uh, wrong to me, this is not to say, oh, uh, someone did me wrong and I've just got to deal with it. I've just got to move on and, you know... It's all right. No, 
You've got to, you don't have to like it, you don't have to condone it, but you can't choose to stop loving that person, you can't stop, you can't choose to stop forgiving that person. Love is the only option. If you're going to combat uh, and wage war in the battlefield of church and uh, wage battle against bitterness um, and uh, a cold love, you have to continue operating in God's love. Easier said than done, but it, it is, uh, that's why this is something that we do daily. This is why we have to press towards the mark. There's an action there. Um, and we have to establish compassion. Uh, in First Peter uh, 3, 8, it says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion, one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful and courteous. And uh, we happened to watch uh, a little devotional with the kids last night, and it happened to be on compassion, um, which it was entertaining to listen to what Tegan got as a definition of compassion out of the video, uh, because it had nothing to do with compassion. It had to do with the puppets that were talking about it. but. Um, but we were able to talk about it a little bit more, and she kind of understood it. Uh, but compassion, why don't I just do that, and then we'll. Uh, but compassion is defined as sympathy or pity uh, with action to alleviate that situation. And so uh, in First Peter here, it says that we're supposed to have compassion towards one another. We're supposed to be pitiful, courteous. Uh, th this is how we should address people. Um, and it, it is a, a, an action. Um, love is not just a feeling. It's, it, it's a verb. So you, you've got to have uh, action to it. Uh, it goes on and you know, you, you can look at it. Uh, Jesus, you know, tells us to practice uh, the new commandments. You know, the scribes uh, in, in Mark uh, is one of the examples where the scribes are asking Jesus, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, after he had already answered another question and they were like, oh, yeah, it's, it's really great. Let me, let me test you again. Uh, but in Mark uh, 12, uh, 30 through 31, it says, uh, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Uh, these commandments uh, are essential to life today. Um, you know, I, I can't. Imagine trying to follow all the rules and laws of the Old Testament. There are a lot of them. Uh, and, you know, Jesus, because he's awesome, <laughs> basically summed them up in two. Uh, and believe it or not, when you go back and you kind of look at the, the top ten, uh, they kind of sum up into these two. So he was, he was pretty good at summarizing uh, his own words and, and, uh, under the, the new covenant. But um, and they all feed off of love. Uh, you've got to love God, you've got to love your neighbor, and you've got to love yourself. And 
you know, we've talked about in uh, marriage conferences and other places, you know, there's a three-legged stool and, uh, you know, when, when one of those legs, if you've ever seen a three-legged stool, is it possible for a three-legged stool, if you remove one leg, to stand up? The answer is no. It's not possible unless maybe, I guess, those of you that want to be a fact checker, I guess technically in space, if you removed it, it would still stand. But we're not in space. We're, we're here on Earth. We're operating uh, under Earth's laws. And it is important that all three of those are operating. They're all necessary in order for the stool to stay up. So the more you love God, the more you're able to love others and yourself. And if you are struggling to love others, or you're struggling to love yourself, then figure out how to love God more. And the more and more you do that, those others are going to feed off of it, and it's a cycle uh, that works itself around. Uh, but, you know, there, there are people that say, ah, the relationship's between me and God, and that's true. Uh, but your love can't stay contained or just be limited to your interaction with God. It should be expanded and reached out to others uh, because we're the body. And if you know any type of anatomy, uh, everywhere in your body is connected at some point. So it, it requires that if we're going to be the body, we're going to be the church, that the, God's love is what powers this machine, it's got to flow through all the parts of the body, and we've got to be willing to transmit that ourselves. If you've ever had a pinched nerve, you know, you lose feeling uh, in, a, in a finger or an extremity, um, you know, you want to compare that to the church. You get somebody who gets a little pinched nerve, maybe a bit of their love is cut off, maybe there's some bitterness rooting up, the body's connected, so it, it defiles others. That's going to trickle down into other parts of the body. And so uh, we, we've got to make sure that we're practicing and we, we're, we're kind of buffering ourselves uh, against uh, that spirit or that stronghold of unforgiveness. Um, and then we, we want to be able to have discernment. Uh, Jesus' goal uh, was to save uh, and that's our goal, is to lead to salvation. Uh, it's not judgment. God is going to judge, but that's not his goal. His goal is to save. And so uh, in John uh, 17, 18, it says, and, and that's why that's our goal, as thou hast seen me, sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. Jesus sent us out to do that. So we have to have judgment versus discernment uh, as we are uh, operating with each other and trying to make sure that on the battlefield of the church, we're, we're fighting against strongholds that can fester uh, or rise up. Um, and uh, the difference between uh, judgment and discernment is judgment relies on our own perceptions or thoughts, so our mind, uh, whereas discernment is reliant upon the spirit. So 
again, our goal is not to, to judge, but to lead people to salvation or to make sure that if there's a, a, an offense or uh, if there's a stronghold, we have to uh, be willing to humble ourselves. We've got to clean ourselves up. Uh, and in Matthew 7, 5, it says, Thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. You know, usually we look a couple verses ahead, and it says, you know, address the beam, and uh, it, it is, that's not scripture that says that you can't help somebody else. It just says first, if you're going to see clearly, because uh, if those of you that may not know, you know, a moat is something very small where a beam is something very large. If I have a beam in my eye, I'm not capable of even seeing you or seeing what may be going on uh, with that beam in my eye. My vision is blocked. And so, and again, here we're talking about the spiritual side of things. So I could only uh, minister uh, to somebody in a physical sense with my mind. And a, a lot of times that's not the issue. And, you know, what's something that may be on the surface uh, is not what is the actual underlying problem. And so we have to first address ourselves, make sure that, you know, we're operating uh, in forgiveness, that we're cleansed ourselves, that we have our house in order, and then that's when the beam comes out of our eye, and then that's when we're able to discern as opposed to judge uh, and, and help that person get the moat out of their eye. And that's because now you're being led by the spirit as opposed to the body, the mind, the flesh. Uh, and uh, it, it is, uh, you, you know, we have an example of this, you know, in the New Testament when, you know, the ladies following them and, oh, these are great men. They're wonderful men. Oh, look at what they're doing. Did they talk to the woman? They spoke to the spirit. Because here are men who are praying and fasting and they're lined up. They've got their house in order spiritually, and so they could have said, get away from us, woman. You know, you're annoying. Take her away. But they knew that wasn't the issue because they had discernment and not judgment. That, you know, that it, it, we would have said, this lady's crazy. We need to get her out of here. You know, if we're, if we're operating in the flesh, this lady's annoying. She's bothering us. You know, let's get rid of her. Instead, they were able to speak to the spirit that was there and... And that's what we're working towards. Uh, and so it's, it's important that we realize when we rely on our own knowledge, understanding, thoughts, reactions, feelings, uh, that it can actually block our ability to listen spiritually and respond uh, appropriately. Uh, in uh, John uh, 5.30, it says, I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear... I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. So you can look at this verse in two different ways. Here, he's able to say, because I've got myself lined up, I'm hearing things correctly. 
So my judgment's just. But if you're operating this as yourself, you're going to hear as yourself, and you're going to judge as yourself. And so that, that's where uh, th there is uh, a, a distinguishment between that, is uh, he's saying independently, I can't do this on my own. If I do, I'm not going to render righteous counsel, judgment, uh, advice. It's only when I open myself up and cleanse me. Uh, and we have a responsibility to be repairers of any breach that may be out there. Uh, you know, we've got to gather together uh, as the, the, the days are coming to an end. We're going to gather together. We're working on getting in one accord. Uh, we already talked about, you know, the apostles at the Last Supper. They're talking about who's the greatest, who's the best. Uh, you know, some of them then went on to deny Christ, sin. But when it came down to the day of Pentecost, they were in one place, in one accord, and there was a might, they were anticipating something. They had gotten their house in order, and they were anticipating something. And we've got to start putting aside uh, offenses. We've got to be willing to forgive one another. We've got to operate in love. And we're preparing for the coming of the Lord. Uh, and, and it's our job to repair breaches that may be in the walls or, or even build walls. And, and that's not just here internally, but there are other people who uh, are seeking truth that are out in the city. In Newark, Ohio, in Heath, in Granville, in Hebron, you want to name the city. There are people who are seeking truth, believe it or not. And it, it is our job to start building up walls and being an example and being that shining light city on a hill that they know and, and we're an example that we can lead them to the truth and to, the, and to a promise. And uh, I'll, I'll end with uh, a couple things. One, Abraham Lincoln, part of a speech that all of us probably know very well, it says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall. But I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. And believe it or not, Abraham Lincoln didn't come up with that quote. A man named Jesus said that if a house be divided against itself, that house can't stand. It can't last. And so if the church is to survive, and newsflash, we know that it does, uh, we have to be able to operate in love, be willing to forgive others, practice the commandments that Jesus established in the New Testament, use discernment instead of judgment, and be willing to repair or build walls or bridges uh, to others. Um, the church is a battlefield, but we are not enemies against each other. We're fighting strongholds and spiritual uh, elements that are looking to undermine the unity that we have here because we all have that one spirit and we've got to allow that 
to flow and encourage us. Uh, love you all. Please forgive me if I've offended you for anything. Uh, and uh, I'm ready for the Lord to come. And I want to prepare and I'm doing everything that I can to get myself ready and to try and get as many people that I know and love and even those that I may not know yet ready for his coming.